It's nothing like Kaiser in weather in February, eh? Sure, it's hot. <laughs> Aircons are going full blast, but it's still you can feel it's 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 hot in here. So, guys, welcome. Um, we're really excited to have you here, and what a privilege it is to just worship together, to do life together, to see what God's busy with, to align with Him. And I wanted to just give a little bit of context as to who we are and a little bit about us. Um, a couple of visitors today and we, we trust that you guys will feel at home. Uh, it's very easy to feel at home in a home. But uh, yeah, we trust that it's a good day. And uh, we are Adventure Church. We were planted out of a church called Cornerstone in Johannesburg in... Uh, it's the 8th of August in 2021. I'm looking at Shanae just to make sure the date was right. We moved here on the 21st of January 2021. So we've been here for two years now. And with the heart of reaching this area, um, I was just kind of thinking this morning over some of the promises that have been spoken over us. And there's a couple, Kenny and Maureen, they're going to be coming doing some ministry with us in the not too distant future. Close on 30 years ago, when they were leading Destiny Life in Stanger, used to walk along these grounds, trusting for a church to be planted here. And when we met with them not too long ago, they said they feel that this is an answer to prayers that they were praying close on 30 years ago. So there's this community that we feel that we need to reach. And this community is not exclusive to Palm Lakes. We feel that there's a core group of people from Palm Lakes, but our desire is always to be... Uh, inclusive of the surrounding areas. We want to reach Tinley Manor Headlands. We've got estates that are going up down the road over here. You've got Seaton and Lalela and Springvale and we feel that this is a key time for us to be pioneering. Um, I was sitting at a meeting on Thursday with uh, two church leaders of people we partner with and we were just chatting through some of this and talking about establishing a base camp. And it's amazing, base camp, I've shared this analogy before here, but, but base camp is an incredibly safe place for troops to come back. They come back, they, they put their arms down, they, they go and they have a decent bed to sleep in, they, they eat food that's no longer out of a sachet, they, they can take their shoes off, have a hot shower, they often play sports. It's a time for them to just sit back and relax because they're not on duty, they're not in, uh, on patrol and it's a safe space. I was saying, but somewhere along the line, someone had to go and demarcate the area that was destined to be base camp. Someone had to go there and break open new ground and put up the walls, put up the protection, put the guard towers in place so that when the troops were established in that region, they had a place of safety to go to. And, and that's the kind of timing that we're in at the moment. We're in a grassroot level. It's, we're busy establishing base camp. And I'm trusting that this base camp will have a longevity in this area. We're trusting it will be a base church, which is a church that sends. We, we've already seen people sown out of this church into other regions. And, and we're trusting for incredible fruit that comes from that. But, but we, we are hoping that this will be a place of refuge, will be a place of restoration, will be a place where people come to and find purpose. But in the moment, what it is, it's a time of establishing. It's a time of, of building foundations. It's a time of, of equipping so that we can be stable when, when I believe that the, the gates are going to open and we're going to have an influx of people coming through here. Find the, the scripture here. But um, 
Sean, I had a prophetic word over a church venue, and, and I want to share a little bit around church venue today, but she had a lady uh, call her not, not too long ago. It's a lady who is the, the mother-in-law of a guy that Shanae went to school with, so it's a bit of a strange uh, connection. But they were on the phone the one day, and this lady shared a scripture with Shanae. She said, I feel that the venue will be as in the book of Micah. So we went through the whole book of Micah and looked to see what does it mean. She didn't give us an exact scripture. And the only thing of a building that takes place is in Micah 7 verse 11. And it says, a day for the building of your walls. In that day, the boundary shall be far extended. In that day, they will come to you from Assyria and the cities of Egypt and from Egypt to the river, from the sea to the sea and from mountain to mountain. Now I shared the scripture during our vision weekend. But, but as I've been kind of pondering over the last little while, there's something about that when we build these walls, whether it's physically building or physically taking ground, what I feel is that there will be an influx that comes from that. In that day, they will come to you. From Assyria and the cities of Egypt, from Egypt to the river, from sea to sea, from mountain to mountain. So there's going to be this group of people that are going to be coming through. And, and my heart is that we have to be ready and established and prepared to receive those who are coming. Recognizing that a lot of them are probably coming from the battlegrounds. And therefore are hurting, wounded, broken. And, and we have an opportunity to speak live over, to refresh, to, to build up, to equip. So that when they go out, they go out whole people again. So there's this, this season that's coming where we're going to be established and in that establishing there's going to be people coming through. Now I'm not saying that we're not going to have people coming through now. Um, we do, but I just really feel that there's something of a foundational season that we've busy been establishing. But in that I also feel that there's a season coming of transition. And uh, there's a momentum shift and as I've been kind of praying over us as a church, I really feel that we're heading into a season where momentum is shifting. And, and I was sharing with Dave today, I took him around the back to show him a baobab, but not long ago I preached uh, a message regarding the, the slow and steady growth of a baobab. And I had this little baobab tree that I brought in. It was about yay big. It hadn't had leaves in two years. So when I had moved from Joburg, we brought it, and this little baobab tree had like no leaves, and it was just sitting there, but I could see it was still alive, but the growth was very slow. And within days after preaching that message, little leaves started coming on, and I went and showed Dave, and the tree is probably about waist high now, with leaves for leaves for leaves coming out. And this is probably three months ago. But, but it hadn't had leaves in two years and all of a sudden there was this rapid growth that came and there was a momentum shift. And it was funny how God in his grace allows us to use something as simple as that. And, and it's almost like there was this shift in the life of this tree that was used as a picture to share something of what I felt God was saying. But I walk up to it now and it takes me up to my waist and there's been this rapid growth that's been taking place over this tree. And, and I feel we're heading into a momentum shift where something is, is happening. And I, I want to share out of the, the book of Joshua. And there, there's something of a shift in, in their momentum that took place. And you start to see some things that have happened as God starts to establish and starts to release. Now, the context of this is we are trusting for a venue. 
Um, meeting here is an incredible blessing, but this is not the end result, and this is not the ideal for what God's busy doing. Uh, bless you. Uh, we believe that our venue is going to be easily accessible to our estate, but not inside the estate. Because once again, we don't want to be ex uh, inclusive, I mean exclusive, we want to be inclusive of the people in the surrounding areas. So we don't want to have to go through the challenges of access control and things for people to get access to the church. Um, and, and we have a site in mind, uh, but again, we don't know if this is the next step, the following step, if this is something that's going to happen in 5, 10, 15 years' time, I don't know what the timing is. So we've really felt there's something of the school building on the, on the adjacent to the estate that there's an inheritance for us in this region. And it's funny because it says on this, uh, the scripture that Shonay was given, a day for building your walls, in that day the boundary shall be far extended. This was given to us the week after we found out that the boundary fence of that property is not the boundary of the property. The boundary of the property is considerably larger than that property, but they've put a boundary fence on based on what was required at the time, even though the actual earth size is considerably bigger. Um, we, we had a, a scripture over us, actually probably three or four times when we planted out here. Matthew 5 talks about you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And we had a couple of people say, we feel that your sight will be on a hill that is visible from the surrounds. Now, if you look at that venue, when you drive on the highway, it's visible. It's something that's on a little hill. Uh, last week, Thursday, Shanae and I went to a... a um, kind of relating elders time John was with us and while we were there a lady by the name of Avi Pratt came to us and said I have a prophetic word over you guys with regards to a venue and and she referred to the palm of Deborah now if you read in Judges 4 from 4 to 5 it says now Deborah prophetess the wife of Lapidoth was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. So that was her meeting place. And, and this lady said, I feel that this home is the palm of Deborah. It's a single palm, but I feel God's calling you to a place of many palms. And it was quite weird because we had laid down this, this dream of the school, even though we felt it was there, we kind of laid it down. And, and as we were contemplating where is the place of many palms, not knowing that we live in Palm Lakes either, this lady. So it was quite amazing. Got quite emotional as she was sharing with us. I looked around there and I realized on that building, that property, palm trees actually encapsulate the entire property. They're there and they line the, the boundary fence. And we, we are contending for this, but I don't know when this will come to fruition. And I believe it's something that's in our future and whether it's our next venue or whether it's our third or the fourth venue is irrelevant. It's something that we feel that God has given us a promise. And this morning, as we were worshiping, I felt God say there's a difference between ownership and possession. And just because you don't have possession does not mean you don't have ownership. And if you look at throughout scripture, how often the land had been given prior to going and taking occupancy. So God says, I've given this land into your hand. So there was a shift of ownership, but there was yet to take place the act of possession over what was happening. And, and Joshua, in Joshua 5, we start seeing them in a similar place. 
And I want to give you some context. So now Joshua has led his people across the Jordan. They've had this incredible moment where the priests went and took the ark and they stood in the flooding uh, Jordan River as it was in flood. So it was flowing strongly. And at that point, the the water started to rise up and they were able to cross the Jordan River and they had the step of faith to, for the first time, transition from the kind of wandering in the wilderness in a place of exile to stepping into the promised land. And, and we kind of pick up there and, and in verse 10, the title of this is the first Passover in Canaan. And there was something so significant about this moment. It says, while the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. So here they are, they're sitting out in the grasslands overlooking the city of Jericho. And it says there, um, And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and, and parched grain, and the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. There was a transition that took place. No longer was God providing them with manna and quail. God had been faithful in a daily provision over them, but he had led them into a land of extended fruitfulness. And it says, and the manna ceased the day after they ate the produce of the land. So as they started to actually take ownership of their new land, which was happening was there was actually a rooting taking place. They had broken camp of this, this kind of season of wandering and they found a home where they started to take root and that home was filled with provision that was plentiful. And it says, and there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. And the incredible thing is they never planted that fruit. They walked into a land of fruitfulness. They had yet to sow, but God was already blessing them with the harvest. Because of his provision had gone ahead of them. But there was something of a permanence of that provision. Where they had been living hand to mouth. He was taking them into a season of fruitfulness. And it was at that point. That uh, it goes on to say from verse uh, 13. It says. When Joshua was by Jericho. He lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold a man was standing before him. With his sword in his hand. I was wondering, can you put on the, the TV there? I forgot to. I just want to airplay something across there quickly. Um, let's show you this picture. Um, Shone, with JCD, do you know? Just pop that on. I used to be able to send it to the TV, but I don't know what's happening. So while John's getting that ready, it says here, And when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Now you don't know Joshua was the one leading these people into what God had called them to. So he walks up as the leader of, of the people of Israel and he sees this man and he recognizes that this is a military man that he does not know. So he has this encounter where he identifies and he walks in as the head of Israel. He says to this man, are you for us or are you against us? 
Are you here to fight for us as Israel or are you here to fight for adversaries? And this man says something, it's quite an interesting exchange, and he said to him, no. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord, now I have come. So he establishes himself and says, actually, I'm not here for you or for them. I'm here as the commander of the Lord's army. And immediately Joshua has a shift in his attitude. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped him. What does my Lord say to his servants? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So just a, a picture out of a, a, a kiddie's book with regards to this encounter of Joshua standing before this man. And as the guy explains who he is, Joshua drops and no longer does Joshua speak from a place of authority as the leader but he actually reduces himself to the servants of this guy and says here I am what do you what do you want to share with us what are you wanting to do and and in the exchange what happens is there's a shift in in whose side who is on this guy is not here to fight for Joshua Joshua has the privilege of fighting for him. So it's not a matter of, are you for us or for you? are you against us? That kind of question is reversed to Joshua, and it's, are you for me or are you against me? And, and something that really struck me recently is, a friend of mine shared, shared this often, but I've been kind of working through it, where he says, don't ask God to bless your plans. Ask God, where are you blessing, and align your plans with there. And I realized this morning, the easiest faith to have is faith, in the midst of a promise that God has given. It's quite difficult to have faith for something that we're trusting for that God has yet to promise. But if God has promised it, uh, the, the level of faith required is considerably less than having faith for something that we're not, not sure if it's been blessed by God. And what happens with, with Joshua in this moment, he's not saying, I want you to bless what I'm doing. He aligns himself to say, what are you doing and how can I play a part of this? What does my Lord say to his servants? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sa the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. I've loved the picture because there's a couple of times in scripture where guys were told to take off their sandals. Moses in the burning bush and he has this encounter with God and God says, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And there's something of actually removing the, 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 the barrier between standing in the presence of God. So there was this, this thing of actually remove your, remove your sandals so you can feel the dirt that is holy on your feet. Think of um, in times with where you can get shocked with electrical currents. If you're wearing rubber shoes, it, it, it helps because you, you, you now kind of grounded. It's like even on a car, the four tires of a car are on the ground. It's, it, it protects you from, from the impact of the surroundings. And, and here it's almost to say remove the thing that hinders you from experiencing the fullness of my power. And I feel God saying that to us. What are the things that we have that prevent us from like really experiencing the fullness of the power that he has in store for us? 
uh, we were sharing, uh, I think it was last week, on 2 Chronicles 20. So I'm going to jump there quickly. Um, can't find the scripture. But it speaks about the fact that God will do amazing things in our presence as he do had done in old. Uh, in the, the season that had come by. There's like this, this thing of, actually, I'm going to do incredible things amongst you. And, and for me, in this moment, this encounter, before they get to Jericho, there was establishing of the hierarchy of leadership that Joshua submitted to so that they could align themselves with the vision of God, the promise of God, so they could walk into the plans of God and be obedient to that. It wasn't Joshua's responsibility to figure out the strategy of taking the ground. The strategy was align yourself with what God was doing and let him take care of it. And when you see the strategy, you realize how ridiculous it was. So it's, it's not an easy strategy to align to. Again, when we look through 2 Chronicles and, and, and you have Jehoshaphat who's, who's kind of looking at this horde of armies and, and, and God says, just go outside and worship and they will turn on each other. You think, but it's illogical. It makes no sense. But they align themselves with the perspective of God and then God came through with, with an incredible testimony that we look at and say, but it was impossible. And it's true. Shanae often says, God created the laws of science just to defy them and reveal his glory. Often we'll see things and you'll see a person who's terminally ill and someone will lay hands on them and they will get healed. And you think, but how does that happen? I mean, Dave, you're a product of that. Okay. A product of God bringing supernatural healing that um, doctors had given up hope. Um, uh, I had coffee with a friend of mine this week and uh, he's a mutual friend of, of Dave and myself and he was just sharing how incredible that Dave's story of healing has been to him and how such an incredible testimony. And uh, you'll say, and the doctor said, Dave, there's no hope. And Dave says, but... There is, because you don't know who my God is. <laughs> and, and this is a, a man was sharing this who's um, just the, the childlikeness of faith in the midst of the Father and the presence that he has. And, and what an incredible thing. So it goes on to say that now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, ownership, with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Now the word seven means it is finished or it's, a, it's completion. And, and it says there, um, on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow their trumpets and when they make a long blast with the ram's horn when you hear the sound of the trumpet then all the people shall shout with great shouts and the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people will go up everyone straight before him. God was describing the fact that he's given the promise of ownership and then he started to give the plan for occupation. 
the, the plan for possession of, of the land. And what I'm going to do is we're going to wrap up quite quickly. And if anyone, we're going to close the meeting and we're going to head out to that venue and take a walk around. And we're not going to go march around seven times. I don't feel like God's given us that strategy, but I do feel there's something of um, a just an opportunity for us to go and contend for it. Now, we went and had a walk around with uh, some of the commercial guys that were marketing their property a little while ago. We've gone and looked inside of it, and I had a potential investor that I was going to look at speaking to about the possibility of investing in it and had a chat with a guy who kind of has an incredible legacy of one connecting with schools but also just seeing church venues and and realizing i mean uh he built a, a church in hillcrest in the middle of sugarcane and people said this is crazy you're out of the way you're nowhere near where uh the people are and if you look around it the whole city was built around the church so they were the first to pioneer in that area um in the, the specific suburb that they're in um, but it was desolate at the time, and now it's a thriving little metropolis in and around where they are. And, and he made a statement to us, and he said, you've got to release the, the, this thing. You've contended, you've planted seeds, now step back and allow God to bring about the supernatural. Allow him to bring about a big miracle so that you never question, was it me who made this happen, or was it God? And I think the thing that I've learned over the last while is the strategies of God are so ridiculous that we actually cannot take ownership of the plan. His way of doing things is illogical in our understanding. And, and he will do it in a way that's not... My, my dad always used to have a saying about brute force and ignorance. So how do you get this done? Brute force and ignorance. So if you're going to fix something, brute force and ignorance. Take a hammer, smack it, and, <laughs> and it works. God doesn't work in that way. He works in supernatural strategy that defies the laws of this world. And, and I'm trusting that as we look at this as a church is one thing, but we apply some of these things to our own lives. We start to navigate around how do we walk into the things that God's spoken over us as individuals? What are the promises that we've maybe allowed to grow dim that God's wanting to rekindle and restir? Um, what are the strategies with people in our lives who we're contending for? And sometimes those strategies are illogical and make no sense, but God gets glorified because he does the impossible. So, Lord, I thank you, Father, for your strategy. I pray over us, Lord, for Adventure Church and the venue that you have in store for us, the possibly the venues that you have in store for us over the next season as we go into new things. Lord, I pray, Father, for godly strategy. I pray, Father, that we won't ask you to bless our plans, but we will align with your plans because we know that there is a favor already on that and we can walk into that, that favor and that victory because you've gone ahead. I thank you, Lord, for a shifting from the, the daily provision of manna into the season of planting roots and seeing fruitfulness that you've already gone ahead and established. I thank you, Father, for the, the fact that as our, our day of the building of the walls and in that day our boundaries shall be far extended, that, that you shall start to bring people from outside, from Egypt, from sea to sea, from mountain to mountain. I pray that you prepare us for such a time as that, Lord Jesus. 
I pray that we will not walk around with this, I've got this, we are the ones leading. But Father, we will align with what you are leading to. That we'll just be messengers of you saying, this is what the Lord says and this is where we're going. And that's how we contend, that's how we navigate, that's how we walk in. Father, I pray that we won't be discouraged in our ownership because we are yet to take possession. And Lord, I thank you that you have incredible promises of each one of us, Lord. And I pray this morning that we will just turn our hearts to hear what you have to say. I pray for it as our families, as individuals, as um, just people who are desperate to know more of you. Ephesians 2.10, it's a scripture that's been resonating in my heart. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk into them. Good works prepared beforehand that we should walk into him, in, into them. Lord, I pray that you reveal the good works that you prepared beforehand. The territories that you've given us ownership over. The places that you have in store. The people, Lord, who, who you destined for us just to encounter with and love on and to encourage and to speak life over the moments where we get to step out in boldness king i pray that over us lord and i pray that we will be far more aware of those times end off with this little story and um, on Friday I went for a run out on the promenade area in Belito and I remember walking back Shanae had gone to gym so she was going to come fetch me she had dropped me off there and she was coming to fetch me and I was walking in front of the restaurants in Belito on, the, on the, the beach and I thought you know I haven't seen dolphins in a very long time it's weird I used to see them regularly but I haven't seen them in ages and I was looking out and I eventually phoned Shanae and I told her where I was and I went and I, I sat on a bench looking out upon the ocean and as I was looking out in the distance, I saw this kind of shift on the water. And it, but it was like far out. And there I could see these little specks of this, this pod of dolphins. And there were these two jet skis that were out. And I saw them race over there. And they started to, to go in and around the dolphins. And one or two of them jumped out the water. But they were there. And Shanae came and joined me. And we were just chatting. I said, I, I was just saying now, like I haven't seen dolphins in such a long time. And what an incredible blessing to see them out on the horizon. And at that point, it was kind of, they shifted. And this pod started coming closer and closer to the point that they were playing in the waves, probably like 15 meters off the rocks in front of us. And I've never seen them come this close before. And, and they just started playing around in front of us. And they started to ride the waves and... And both Shanae and I just sat in absolute awe over what was happening. And, and my encouragement with this is, I just have a sense that God's busy doing something. There's something new out on the horizon, and it seems sometimes like it's down there. And we look at it, and, and, and I, like, we're grateful. Like, oh, that's amazing. That's what we've been trusting for. And we see it out on the horizon. But I feel that there's this momentum shift coming where they just change course. And, and instead of having to go out and chase it, they're going to come to us. And the guys on the jet skis were able to get out there and chase them. They had the, the tools and the means to do it. But here we were sitting on the bench. We had no access to them. The only way we could see them closely is if they came to us. 
And I feel like God's doing that. He's bringing things to us that are just lavished from the Father. You feel like He wants to lavish us. And again, this is something that I'd love to just take hold of for us as a church, but for us as individuals as well. I am to lavish you as the Father and just speak life over. Okay.